0: Good morning and welcome to this Euractive online event, which is kindly supported by PGE, the Polish electricity company. My name is Frédéric Simon, I'm the Energy and Environment Editor of Euractive, and I will be your host for today's event, which is titled The New EU Emissions Trading System What Should Change? I believe this is uh, the first event that Euractive is hosting uh, since the summer break, so welcome back to all of you. Now, today's discussion on the ETS reform comes less than two months after the European Commission presented its new Fit for 55 package of energy and climate laws, whose centerpiece was a reform of the emissions trading scheme, the EU carbon market. So what are the main objectives uh, of this reform? Is the reform overall a fair and balanced proposal for all the EU countries and industries concerned? and what changes are needed, if any, uh, in order to improve the Commission's proposal. Now, to discuss this topic today, I'm delighted to welcome Beatrice Aguirre, Director at the European Commission's Climate Directorate, where she's in charge of European and international carbon markets. Marinian Marinescu, a Romanian MEP from the centre-right EPP Group. Milan elkabout Research Fellow at the Centre for European Policy Studies in Brussels. Florin Rothenberg, Carbon Market Analyst at ICIS. Robert Jeske from Kobise, a research institute based in Krakow, Poland. And Pavel Sios, Vice President for Corporate Affairs at PGE. Welcome to all of you and thanks for joining us today. We'll start this virtual conference with um, a series of short opening statements uh, from the speakers, and then we'll move on to a Q&A discussion that will also include questions from the audience. To put a question, just use the chat function on Vimeo. So, um, but before we dive uh, further into uh, this topic, let me first uh, give the floor to Pavel Sios from PGE Uh, Pavel, unfortunately, has to leave in a few minutes, so we agreed to start with him first. Pavel, please, the floor is yours.
1: Thank you. Um, PG welcomes the publication of the Fit for 55 package as we are committed to increase share of renewable energy in our portfolio to 50% by 2030 and provide 100% green energy by 2050. Uh, Due to our long-term commitments, we are pleased with the proposal to use all EU ETS national carbon revenues to finance investments uh, in line with the EU ETS directive. This means that more public funds will be dedicated to finance the energy transition. However, uh, we must keep in mind that for certain countries the investments need steaming from a 55% climate target largely exceed the national revenue from the EU ETS. Because of that, countries like Poland have a structural uh, deficit, deficit of allowances, which has been uh, estimated by independent think tank at uh, six, uh, six, uh, over 600 million of allowances less than expected emissions until uh, 2030. That's approximately 40 billion of euros with current CO2 price that the Polish companies will have to spend abroad, which results in less uh, fund, funds to uh, finance the energy transition with the Polish-owned resources. Uh, Speaking of the investment needs, we have estimated the investment costs to to meet the um, 55% climate target at 136 billion of euros. And after uh, taking into account all available funds, we have estimated the investment gap in Poland at 93 billion of euros. Uh, the National Centre for Emissions Management carried out a study recently, which showed clearly that the implementation of carbon neutrality target in the Poland would uh, have a knock-on effect on the Polish economy and would translate into 100 billion of euros of lost consumption by Polish households. Uh, this brings me to my third and final point. We recognize the proposal to increase the modernization fund. However, it falls short of what the Commission uh, could have proposed. The increase of the modernization fund seems, especially given the large extension of the potential uh, coming from the new sector subject to EU ETS, and the complete exclusion of natural gas the, uh, as a transitional fuel for, uh, from uh, the scope of the Modernization Fund is investments. Uh, this is why I would like to present shortly three proposals for possible solutions. Uh, first of all, Poland, as uh, the country having less allowances uh, than the needs, should be able uh, to contribute to the market stability reserve uh, proportionally less and use a part of volumes dedicated to uh, the MSR to finance its own transition uh, instead of Polish companies uh, financing budgets of other uh, member states. Uh, Secondly, we must mitigate extra energy transition uh, costs. Uh, through an uh, appropriate increase of the Modernization Fund. Uh, We must keep the possibility to finance gas investments from the Modernization Fund if the EU wants to show uh, that it has good uh, recognition for uh, different starting. And last, but not least, if we we already have increased uh, LRF of 4.2%. Uh, why do we still need to strengthen uh, the MSR to achieve the same
2: objective?
1: LRR, uh, LRF alone is enough to drive, uh, drive down the emissions uh, to the required reduction level. Uh, I leave these questions hanging as I uh, have to run now to another urgent meeting, and I wish you. Uh,
0: all a very fruitful discussion. Thanks, Pavel. Um, I understand you have a few more minutes mm-hmm. to answer a couple of questions. So, yes, uh, yes, of
3: course.
0: Yes, so let, let me start with, uh, with this one. About the carbon prices on the ETS, because they've reached uh, unprecedented levels uh, over the past days, reaching uh, past uh, 60 euros uh, per ton. Um, so how does that affect... PGE as a company? Uh, This is obviously a problem for a company
1: like PGE uh, that is today largely based on coal for now. Uh, Higher uh, CO2 prices mean that we have to spend billions on compliance costs associated with surrendering the CO2 allowances, instead of using these funds adequately to uh, build our renewable and low carbon portfolio last year we spent approximately 1.8 billion of euros um, and the first quarter of this year over 400 billion euros on EU ETS allowances Uh, as we want to build 2.5 gigawatts offshore wind and uh, over 3 gigawatts uh, photovoltaic installations by 2030 the EU ETS is drawing our funds away from CAPEX to cover our
0: OPEX needs. Thanks for that. Uh, There's also uh, another thing happening currently on the markets is the high electricity prices. So doesn't that help compensate for the high carbon costs?
1: Uh,
0: If Poland had enough
1: CO2 allowances, in its national allocation pool to cover the emissions from the Polish economy, the investment uh, gap in the entire Polish economy would be significantly smaller. Um, The government would then have enough resources coming from auctioning revenues to set up a special investment fund that would use the carbon revenues to finance the energy transition. We would then have less uh, of a problem that these costs will have to be borne by the Polish economy and uh, uh, our households. This is why without adequate revenues from the EU ETS auctioning, we are putting at risk a successful rebound of the Polish economy in the economic crisis caused caused by COVID.
0: Thanks, Pavel. Maybe a final question about the potential shortage of allowances Um, you expressed, worries about that. When do you expect the shortage uh, to start? What would be the consequence uh, of that for the energy transition in Poland? And isn't that also an incentive um, in a way to accelerate the transition in Poland? Uh, Could you, sorry, could you repeat? So uh, you expressed worries about a a potential shortage of allowances under the ETS. Can you tell us when you expect the shortage uh, to start? Is it closer to 2030 or would it be sooner than that? Uh, And what would be the the consequence of this uh, for the energy transition in Poland?
1: Uh, I, uh, I expect uh, it should happen in uh, in this
0: decade, in 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 in, uh, in five maybe six years. Okay, and isn't that also an incentive um, to accelerate the transition then? I, it seems we've uh, lost the connection uh, now with uh, Pavel Siosh. Yes, so we, it seems we can't hear him anymore. In any case, uh, thanks Pavel for the time you spent. I understand that you have to leave now. Uh, Enjoy the rest of the day. Thanks. So, uh, we can now go back to the introduction speeches, uh, starting with uh, Beatrice Aguirre. Beatrice, the floor is yours. Uh, thanks a lot,
4: Frederick, and uh, good morning, everybody. A pleasure to be with you. Just a clarification on my name is so, Jordi Aguirre or Jordi. You choose. But don't leave okay. me alone with Aguirre. <laughs> it's a little bit uh, weird so a pleasure to be with you in these uh, interesting times. Um, as you said uh, two months ago, when one month, uh, one month and a half ago, the Commission has presented a very ambitious uh, package. But uh, the very ambitious doesn't mean that we have changed the ambition compared to our climate neutrality that has been agreed by Council and Parliament under 50 minus 55 percent. So the the package, just my my main main message messages as introduction is that, uh, one, we align with 55% and we align in a more mainstream way. So it's the different policies all contributing to decarbonizing the economy. The second important point is we make a better business case, as uh, your last uh, question, Frederick, we make a better business case for 75% of the economy with a, a new ETS in building and transport, a reinforced ETS in what we call a stationary, so um, uh, industry and, uh, and power sector, um, aviation reinforced, and then uh, extension to maritime that uh, up to now didn't have any decarbonisation uh, strategy. So it's a uh, second big message is this business case for 75 of the economy covered by carbon pricing. And the third point is... Uh, the social aspect, uh, we, uh, we consider in the past a social aspect, but not as strong as we should have done. So now more comes, and not only member states uh, differences, as, uh, as uh, PG has mentioned, but also the citizen perspective. So we know, uh, we are aware that uh, carbon pricing in building and transport will give, uh, will need uh, different measures and vulnerable citizens need to adapt and to have tools in this transition. And uh, we have, uh, we try to construct a positive agenda with Council and Parliament that uh, reinforcement, uh, so carbon pricing can also give opportunities of uh, refurbishment of your house, uh, offer a cleaner mobility and uh, opportunities uh, combined with these social aspects. So these are my main three points and uh, pleasure to be here. And uh, now, as uh, you know, uh, Council and Parliament has started discussions of this uh, uh, fascinating path to the minus uh, 55% ambition.
0: Thanks, Beatrice, and apologies for uh, changing your name. Uh, let me turn now to Marianne Marinescu.
3: Yes, thank you, and thank you for the invitation. My name is Marianne Jeanne Marinescu uh, It's very simple, like in French, it's not so complicated. So thank you very much for the uh, invitation. Uh, of course, uh, Fit for uh, 55 is the main uh, political topic uh, for the next, uh, in my opinion, at least one uh, year. It's a package that uh, it's uh, uh, economic, but uh, also political in the same time that will affect both economy and people, consumers, a lot in the, in the future uh, period. So now we have a package, good or bad. There are legislative proposals. That's it. We have to, we have to, to work on it. And we have to try to to uh, to uh, uh, find the best uh, uh, results, the best uh, uh, proposal, the best laws that will be in the same will be balanced and uh, will uh, fulfill the, the requirements in the same time to to fight against the climate change, but uh, to uh, Uh, preserve the competitivity of uh, European economy and also the jobs Uh, for the moment uh, the impact assessments that were presented in my opinion uh, are not so uh, complete there are missing a lot of uh, things the main argument is that uh, we have a law and we have to reach 55 reduction so we have to do something it is not very clear how we shall reduce emissions, except the alternative fuels and, um, um, let's say, electric cars. But here, uh, the proposal is not respecting the the neutrality uh, technology technology neutra- neutrality. So there are a lot of things that are not uh, perfect in my opinion in this package. But again, uh, we have to work with this package. And uh, I hope that we shall reach the, the the best result again for the people and for the uh, economy. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Marian Jan. Uh, let me turn now to Milan elkebout Thank you
2: very much, uh, Fred. Um, so first of all, I'd like to say that um, the starting point for um, for this revision is actually not a bad one at all if you compare it to the previous revision of the ets which started in 2015 uh, then the system was in a much more critical shape uh, a lot of questions about its credibility uh, and you could uh, pretty much say that uh, in the past few years this credibility and the effectiveness of the ets and its price signal has been restored so the basic design of the ets and also of the market stability reserve is quite decent now and you could even say that the most important change to reflect the new target with the linear reduction factor will already get you uh, a long way Um, nevertheless there are uh, a few challenges uh, related both to the ambition level of the target Uh, And the fact that uh, we will be extending the system to new sectors now that um, might lead to some Controversy uh, and also a few difficult decisions Um, the first is that um, emissions reductions in general and industrial decarbonization specifically really need to accelerate in just for the eight nine years that are left up until 2030 Uh, and for industry uh, the free allocation that continues uh, can undermine this if it is done uh, inefficiently or if industry is uh, shielded unduly Uh, so what is really desirable over the next uh, 10 20 years is that uh, in energy intensive industries the climate neutral frontrunners uh, would uh, would benefit from the system, uh, not necessarily um, those operating uh, more carbon-intensive uh, assets, as in humans. So for those more carbon-intensive installations, it's very important that the ETS price signal uh, works as a disincentive, just like it has done for, uh, for coal-fired power generation, for example. Uh, now with uh, the proposed carbon border adjustment mechanism uh, free allocation would still continue up until uh, the mid 2030s even uh, if at a reduced rate Uh, but one of the questions we should ask ourselves is uh, if this is uh, um, the most uh, uh, bang for the buck the most efficient way to really transfer an enormously valuable asset of these well hundreds of Uh, millions of allowances now worth more than 60 euros a piece. So there's also the alternative consideration that uh, they might be used uh, for the innovation fund um, uh, to finance these carbon contracts uh, for differences which might lead to uh, a much more uh, direct impact on industrial emissions. Uh, The second topic I'd like to touch upon is uh, the idea of extending the ETS, which I think is a very brave but good proposal um, uh, by the European Commission uh, because you have the benefit then of more sectors being covered by a single cap. Also sectors that in recent times still have had increasing emissions. So it's very good to have a clear trajectory towards zero there. Uh, What is perhaps a bit problematic, though, is uh, the fact that you have separate systems and um, just adding um, uh, an ETS price signal to a new sector, like the fuels and road transport or heating, might not necessarily do very much to the emissions in that sector. And some people will argue that that is a reason to, well, not do it at all, to not extend the ETS to those sectors but I would say that it's very important to look at it from an economy-wide perspective. The fact that there are no reductions in one sector uh, might still mean that you have uh, additional demand for allowances elsewhere and that the reductions then uh, end up in the sectors where they are done most efficiently. That is the idea of emissions trading. Uh, But so long as you maintain the separate systems, you would not have that. So I would I understand the need for transitional arrangements and not disturbing the main ETS, but I do think it's very worth uh, while considering how the two systems could be integrated uh, sooner rather than later. And then as Beatrice also referred to, there is the important dimension of uh, the relative impacts on industry. Uh, and the power sector versus uh, regular citizens, which will now be affected more directly by the ETS. And here it's also important to consider the fact that for uh, industry, there are a lot of um, uh, different compensatory mechanisms, both directly and indirectly. They are the beneficiary of various subsidies. And this might not necessarily be the case for citizens. So there isn't a carbon leakage risk issue for these newly added sectors, but still the distributional dimension is very important. And I think this uh, will become very important over the next two years. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Milan Elkabat, for this good overview uh, and analysis. Let me turn now to Florian Rothenberg.
5: Hi. Um, Yeah, so looking a bit back six years ago, I mean, we had an oversupplied and also unambitious system. Like, who would pay a high price for carbon back then? But I think lessons were learned in the ETS in the last years. The oversupply will now be gradually reduced by the market stability reserve. Um, But we still see with the current legislation of the ETS, um, we see a mismatch between the cap of allowances and the baseline emission reduction that we get um, with coal phase-outs across Europe, for example, and overlapping policies. Um, with the Fit for 55 package that we have seen, um, we see that to change. And we see a clear commitment by the European Commission towards carbon pricing as a tool to drive decarbonization. And with the linear reduction factor and the rebasing of the cap, which is really important, um, we will reduce the amount of allowances coming to the system by 2 billion in the next 10 years. And this will lead to increasing prices. Um, Coal to gas switching it will simply not be enough, and there needs to be a boost in renewable energy investments as well as industrial abatement to meet this target value of around 800 million in the in the sectors. Um, and to achieve that level of abatement, what we will need to see is a paradigm change in terms of market behavior by the participants, especially the industry. Their behavior has been really inactive so far and they need to develop active decarbonization strategies right now, actually, because abatement takes time and it needs to be planned right now to come online on time. And speculation um, from both compliance players in some countries, as well as the financial industry, is an important element here actually to give this kind of intertemporal efficiency and increase the pressure on the industry right now already to develop these kind of strategies. The ETS in the end, um, it ensures that we will reach the target. And I think the design of the other policies now is really crucial how can we ensure that industry really develops um, these strategies and has a plan and also power sector and some other countries how how much do we need to decarbonize because in the end what will really lead need uh, what will really lead to spiking carbon price in the end is that if a situation in which we don't get the necessary abatement by a certain year and then we don't have any fuel switch left and then we will get spiking prices. So we need to drive this decarbonization as of now, basically, before the package is even agreed.
0: Thanks, uh, Florian. And uh, we'll close the round of opening statements now with Robert Jeske. floor is yours.
6: Derek, one clarification, I'm from Warsaw, <laughs> not from Krakow. I'm um, happy to be here and thank you for the invitation and the uh, opportunity to discuss uh, several issues that you already raised and I think uh, many of others will come up during the works on uh, implementation of fit 55. So maybe I will concentrate on two things. So one is the uh, modernization found and uh, um, the role of gas as a transitional fuel. And the second thing I will raise is the um, uh, the increase in stability of uh, the price development within the ETS, uh, within the increased target and uh, MSR uh, changes. So one thing is that uh, having in perspective from Polish uh, side um, and the energy sector, the sector is responsible in Poland and will be responsible 80% of total emission reduction by 2030. So it is important to know that the whole burden for countries like Poland, which is coal-based, especially in the energy sector, will be in the energy sector up to 2030. And that this means that this um, reduction potential will be utilized in the first transformation period, having in mind the 2050, 2030 in, in the middle. So the climate target in 2030 will achieve with rel- relatively high marginal cost of emission abatement above 100, our calculations above 100 euros per ton. Um, in DTS. So achieving deep emission reduction in this energy sector uh, will be associated with large capital cost, which combined with decrease in cost of operation will lead to significant increase in cost of electricity in district heating generation. Um, so the ro- renewable will increase, of course, and uh, you, you've mentioned, and this is also idea that the, the, the fuel switch, but their development will be additionally stimulated by decreasing the capital cost. However, growing capacity, uh, wind and photovoltaic photovoltaic installation will require a reserve um, um, of capacity. And this term thinks that the gas, natural gas, in as a transitional fuel from the scope of the modernization, uh, exclusion this from the modernization found, which is not such a good idea in my perspective, especially having in mind that it's not uh, dedicated to all the countries and their gener- generation capacity, but for uh, the countries which switching from the coal to to let's say second fuel, which is gas, which is half of our emission reduction. So it's worth to think of two cases: one of the pricing and the cost for the the households, and the second thing is the um, the uh, the reduction of the emission. So. Um, Regarding the MSR and the, the, uh, the development of the price, you, you Frederick uh, mentioned the increasing the enormous increasing the prices and we, we observed yesterday the new all-time high over 600 euros per ton. So which uh, is we think this development of the, of the prices is increasing too fast and too high and it can be very dangerous for the whole system uh, as it is so and we think and we analyze the 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 regulation and the, the directive and we say that there is no re- really safety valve to stabilize the euro prices and the commission doesn't have uh, tools appropriate tools to to solve this uh, potential problem and um, of course um, uh, msr got the mechanics to allow release allowances to the market but after 2023 when we uh reduce the all uh, what is in the reserve and uh, will be only 40 million uh, uh allowances in the reserve there is not much to intervene in the situation where, when it would be acquired so at extremely high prices uh, of allowances can be perceived as uh, as a deliberate action by the commission to accelerating the transformation and increasing only the prices uh in the energy sector and industrial sectors covered by it is but the question is, whether such a fast transition with extremely high prices is possible especially in new york countries like poland which has we've got different starting points and different uh, uh, problems than the the, let's say rest of the europe and western europe especially and they would have less money available to to invest in low carbon technology because of instead of what um uh, pg says that uh, they not only they but In general, the installation will have to spend a lot of money to buy EU allowances instead of investment in new technologies. And our forecast in the industrial sector, in all the energy sector investment in Poland, up to two thousand thirty, in in the fifty five percent reduction target overall and 61 target in ETS, we. Calculate this scenario as 45.6 billion euro in Poland up to up to 2030, just in uh, in new investment without any grid uh, investments. So the revenue, if you compare it to the revenue of allowances from the f- uh, modernization fund, which is around the 10 billion euros, it's like four times higher investment n- needs for the energy sector just only in investments than the whole financial uh, of the f- uh, modernization fund. Uh, delivers so i think i will stop with that and uh, of course i'm happy to discuss uh, that and other issues thanks
0: thanks robert and you raised indeed uh, the point about the rising carbon price uh, which uh, has reached uh, 60 euros uh, on the carbon market uh, not 600 uh, We'd be having uh, riots in the streets if, if that was the case, potentially. So le- uh, let's have uh, a discussion about that then. The, uh, the, the carbon price is rising now to uh, levels which are really unprecedented. Um, what are the Im- uh, immediate implications? Uh, you think that this is having on the European economy, and let me start uh, by asking the question to the researchers, and then we'll turn to the politicians. So, Milan Elkabout, maybe let's start with you.
2: Yes, thank you. Um, maybe I understand where the question is coming from, and um, yeah, this framing of uh, a very rapid increase in the price—it's uh, not that long ago. Uh, even last year when there was a bit of panic in the market uh, there was only around 17 euros. Uh, nevertheless the ETS has been around for a far longer time. Um, I mean uh, already since 2008 we've had continuous emissions uh, trading periods and at some point uh, in 2008 the price was uh, a little bit over 30 euros uh since that time we also had quite a bit of uh, uh inflation in some years so 30 euros uh now is less than it was uh, at that time uh so in that sense uh, the common price did not even double in a 13-year period that's another way to look at it um of course um yeah much shorter term uh, the rise has been uh, much more significant and insofar as it leads to um, higher electricity prices uh, which is the case now in some countries that can lead uh, to some problems but uh, we have the carbon price really there to provide a decarbonization signal a disincentive for uh, anything that's carbon intensive in the economy if there are then negative impacts for um on Consumers, taxpayers, whatnot, or even uh, certain countries within the EU, then we need separate mechanisms to address that, not necessarily to um, yeah, uh, to change uh, the functioning of the main system which delivers that price, which is well, right now market based. Um, so it might be necessary to yeah, think more about compensatory uh, measures, but. There's also an increasing amount of auction revenues for the member states to uh, implement these themselves and uh, the EU state aid rules also allow for, uh, yeah, many different ways of compensation there.
0: Okay, thanks thanks, uh, Milan Elke, for this uh, quick analysis. Let me turn to Florian Rothenberg. Your views about uh, the, the impact uh, of this uh, quite sudden rise in carbon prices, what do you think Um, are the implications for the European economy?
5: Yes, so I think there are three main factors to it, which is MSR, rising gas prices and the long-term ambition. I think this is the most important element. And I think we especially have seen this price rise since there has been a clear commitment towards an increase of ambition and towards the ETS as a tool to drive decarbonization. And I think what impact that has at the moment is we see extremely high carbon price. And we actually have these, this signal right now already that we have to invest in low carbon technologies. And in terms of impact, um, I agree with Milan. Um, it's in the end, the reven- there are revenues from it. Like either industry receives it for free, so they have a direct incentive to sell their allowances and invest in uh, decarbonization. And on the power side, you have a certain cost pass through, and um, basically the revenues from the ETS, they belong to the member states. And I think this is now the task, like, if there is, for example, an impact on the economy, like how can we, uh, and on citizens as well, how can we use these revenues appropriately to drive this decarbonisation? Because one thing is sure, we need, like with the climate law, this we, we have to reach this target. Um, and with the ETS, it becomes certainty. And now the ETS is an efficient tool to drive that, but um, the revenues need to be put in the right place to really reach this long-term target and, um, I think this is the important element, and the transition will cost money and um, it will be priced with the carbon price signal, sending the right investment signals right now. And with high power prices, I think we have that right now. We have L3Es um, below um, the forward prices in the power market, and I think. Um, and this is a clear signal um, to to plan more projects and ease, and for the governments also to ease um, the, um, the the yeah deployment of additional renewables, for example.
0: Thank you, Florian. So I understand from what you and Milan have said that you're not specifically saying there should be. Uh, amendments or tweaks made to the ETS. But surely this is a debate that is going to worry uh, the, the politicians uh, and we'll turn to them in a minute. Um, but maybe let me stay with you for um, a, a short follow-up question, Florin uh, During many years there was a concern about the carbon price being too low and there was a debate about introducing a carbon price floor. Now, is it now time to also consider maybe having a discussion about introducing a carbon price ceiling? And do you think there are good chances that this is eventually going uh, to reach uh, places like the European Parliament, for example?
5: I think if you if you discuss a carbon price ceiling, um, then you probably have to remove, like, move away from that idea that you actually reach the target. And I think if you want to. Hinder an explosion in carbon prices, or not an explosion, but higher carbon prices. I think what you can have to, or what you have to do, is support your industry in their decarbonization pathway. I think a price ceiling, the only effect it can have is um, that you don't reach the target in the end anymore. So um, I think uh, from from a purely market perspective, um, uh, yeah, I would, I don't think that this would be an effective instrument.
0: Thanks, Florian. Uh, Robert, Jesko, maybe a quick take from your side on uh, the, the idea of potentially introducing a carbon price ceiling. Do you think that would be a good idea?
6: Yeah, I mean, maybe I will uh, just uh, jump to this discussion because I've got different reflections in Florian and Milan. And I think this one side of the whole uh, p- 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 picture. So one thing is that, of course, these, uh, if we comp- if we see perceive ETS as a market-driven instrument, which the price is uh, the lowest possible um, to reduce the one ton of CO2, that, that's completely fine, and you you achieve the reduction target because the, you reduce at lowest a possible cause the quantum of co2 within the ets as it is but as long as we introduce the msr which is totally instrument that drive the the uh, the price and uh, increase the price and the, the, the speed of the this um, let's say intervention within the system then you've got um, not especially um, uh, market instrument but the some kind of hybrid with the taxation so I wouldn't agree that you you don't deliver uh, the target if you if you put the ceiling because you've got also uh, um, of course I'm not a fan of the ceiling and the floor and ceiling and if you got the MSR but if you put the floor and ceiling and you got the trajectory to the with the price uh, to deliver the target you you still f- uh, finish with the target but of course if you put the ceiling with the MSR then this is totally messing around with the with the system within the system. So I think what is also important that the, it's not to to speed up the increase of the prices because we are doing that and the commission is trying to do that with the MSR changing a lot uh, to increase the price to to speed up the in transition with the technologies, but at the same time you deliver the reduction higher than the the agreed on the political level. So you have to ass- 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 answer your question. You have to be sure that you deliver the reduction at the lowest cost to deliver the target that you are politically agree on. Otherwise, you deliver the higher ambition target than you agree on, and for the higher prices. And this higher price and the higher cost are generating in the, the countries like Poland and uh, uh, Eastern countries that are more problematic within the GDP, um, the capacity of to uh, impose the. The reduction in the sectors that are already in uh, reduced in the Western countries. So, so it's many layers that you have to have in mind in the within the system, especially in MSR. And I think in MSR, if we increase the linear reduction factor um, uh, by two, I think that the increasing the the thresholds from 12% to 24 doesn't deliver anything more than increasing the prices at the moment because it's, it's stimulating the um uh, the uh, the um, let's say um, sense that there, there would be lack of uh, um, allowances in the future so the, the price is increasing at the moment. So otherwise from technical point of view, increasing uh, the the threshold from 12 to 24 at the same time having the the um, linear reduction factor by double doesn't uh, change anything with the the number of allowances on the market.
0: Thanks, Robert. So, uh, turning to the policymakers now, um, we're seeing, uh, along with rising carbon prices, we're seeing rising electricity prices as well, which is becoming now uh, also a source of worry in countries like uh, Spain, a country you know well, Beatrice uh, Jordi. So um, uh, some are also starting to warn about a potential gas crisis uh, uh, this summer because uh, gas prices are also extremely high. So, Beatrice, uh, uh, Giordi, what is the role of carbon markets? Uh, do you believe in this uh, crisis and that we're seeing unfolding now before our eyes? Is there anything that the European Commission can do in order to ease uh, that pressure?
4: Well, let me uh, calm a little bit the, the language of the crisis, if, uh, if I can, and send a little bit of, a message of calm. So in our impact assessment, we have been uh, uh, working with uh, uh, prices between 50 and uh, around 80 euros per ton. This has been uh, the range uh, until 2030. It's true that now we are with uh, in a context of high gas prices. And uh, I leave the analyst uh, to uh, evaluate if it's a uh, uh, geopolitical situation, hurricane uh, Ida, and... Uh, on, uh, on, uh, uh, North Stream situation. So there, are, there are different factors that uh, uh, that uh, I leave more to analysts on why we have this gas uh, prices. I think that um, we are, we don't expect that this is going to be a a situation that uh, it will be a. Uh, lasting a lot. So let's let's put also, let's distinguish what is a short term and a medium term. So coming back to the prudency, we use uh, this uh, 50 to around 80 euros of carbon pricing. And um, when I started four years ago with a very low carbon market, I agree with uh, Milan that the main criticism it was uh, this carbon market is not working, uh, prices are too low, and uh, decarbonisation is not taking place. Well, we now have a solid uh, carbon market, and I think that uh, what uh, has been an impressive decarbonization in energy, just uh, let's do not forget that before COVID crisis, uh, because uh, COVID years, of course, they are a little bit... Uh, exceptional with uh, for, for sad reasons but before covid crisis a power sector reduced 15% their emissions which is impressive and the industry was more stable or shy reduction so now is it the time with uh, prices around 60 euros that industry will start decarbonization and we will need a faster reaction of renewable penetration so uh, just uh, to, to not come to, uh, to comment on our uh, national situation because I understand that there are countries that are uh, uh, suffering more the, the impacts of electricity prices and due to different reasons, Spain, as you know, is nearly an electricity uh, electrical island or Poland has uh, coal uh, from uh, historical reasons and, uh, and uh, needs to accelerate this decarbonization. Let me stay at European level. That, um, that it's a little bit more my role. So uh, I would like to send a prudent message that uh, it's a, a signal that uh, MSR, of course, is doing its work. We have a, a, a market with an excess of around 2 billion uh, allowances, the gas prices, electricity prices a reaction, and then the long-term ambitions announced. We saw this in the first review, the announcement on the co-decision agreements uh, foster these uh, this um, high prices, and i'm yeah uh, sure that also the 55% and the package is uh, making uh, I- its work. Uh, this we will need that uh, to see that uh, the carbon pricing is uh, has a, the good reaction from industry, from the investment of the revenues, the proper investment of the revenues, not only 50%, not only 40%. That uh, all. And this is why we have proposed that 100% of the revenues go to climate investment. Also, the use of the resilience uh, package is an impressive package that is uh, on the table of uh, member states, the majority of them, those who have uh, adopted uh, their plans. And uh, there is, fortunately, a lot on uh, climate change investment. So I think that, uh, in short, uh, I think we need to keep calm with the 60 euros. market is working is a strong decarbonisation uh, signal, and there is uh, a round of uh, investment mechanisms and other tools to uh, to cope and to uh, drive the decarbonisation in, in the in the proper way.
0: Thanks, Beatrice. Uh, let me turn now to Marian Marinescu with a similar question. Uh, what is the role you think of carbon markets in the high energy prices that we're seeing at the moment, and is there anything that uh, you think European policymakers can do to ease the pressure? And you should unmute yourself if you've uh, done so, Mario. So I am, but, uh, I am not surprised, but I am
3: not surprised, but as you see. We discussed, you discussed a lot about market, uh, uh, carbon prices, how it's going up, uh, what it will happen, and so on. I think that our scope, our main target is to decrease emissions, not to increase the prices of carbon. That is not, uh, if it's not high price, it's not a solid market. I don't think that you are saying that ETS is pushing the, the decarbonization. I don't think so. I think that the technology is pushing the, the, the decarbonization. So in the sectors that the technology went uh, 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 had the progress, now we can see that could happen something, like in cars, for example, in automotive. But uh, our main target is to decrease emissions. Don't forget about this. Now we are speaking only about um, uh, allowances, uh, prices, and, uh, and so on. I don't think that it's it's OK. If we look in the, again, in the impact assessment presented by the Commission, that in my opinion is very weak, uh, about the ETS impact, ETS for um, uh, maritime roads and um, buildings, so the, the cost of investment is not presented. The cost of, of the cost of the companies and the cost of the consumers is not uh, existing. The, the, the presentation of the in, uh, economic impact, uh, environmental impact, social impact, jobs impact, two pages, and that's it. And everything is, is uh, uh, nice. It, it will be everything will be uh, uh, fine so I I shall give you an example in the automotive sector In my opinion electric cars will go will uh, will uh, will uh, increase that's very clear because the technology is uh, existing is developing uh, in and is improving a lot of companies uh, manufacturers announced that they will go to this doesn't matter 35 or not. Anyway, 35 target is not correct because it's tailpipe emissions, not life cycle emission. So this is not correct. Even legally, it's not. is not correct. It's, it's very. It's very clear. The alternative fuels also there is a strategy which is not. Uh, it's uh, you know in contradiction with the 35 uh, uh, target. For uh, zero emissions, but there is a strategy for alternative fuels. So this will will uh, will progress, will develop. Why we need to increase also the prices uh, of, of the actual fuel to 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 make the difficult the uh, consumers' life more difficult because the prices for the electric cars will not be affordable from the very beginning for everybody. So, how the emissions will decrease because of ETS? Should, uh, can somebody explain me this? The only way is limitation of mobility. That's it. There is no other way. The others will be alternative fuels and, and electric cars, but uh, increasing the prices of the fuel will limit the, uh, the, the mobility. That means that will uh, uh, make the life of citizens more difficult and economic parties also uh, will be more difficult. So why we need this? In maritime, we introduce the, the alternative fuels. In aviation, we introduce the alternative fuels. Not here we should be more ambitious and the commission was not ambitious. We, we should have... More blending, uh, 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 higher blending uh, target, but in maritime we introduce this, yeah, with uh, uh, thresholds for for each uh, for uh, increasing. So we introduce also ETS. What it will happen? Will increase the price of the freight. That's Thanks, very Marianne. clear. Yes, yes, we we get your point. Just a moment, I have... because I I I have to leave now. Yeah. So I, I finish this. All ETS, it's increasing the prices. That's very clear. For consumers, even if Mrs. Beatrice is smiling. But this is the reality. This will happen. It will increase the prices. But how? Please, not now. Send me a, a mail. Tell me how ETS will decrease the emissions. That's the most important. Don't tell me that we'll... Uh, oblige the, the the economy to uh, make decarbonization. This will be done anyway because uh, they have to to survive. So how ETS will decrease emissions? This is my my question. That even uh, yesterday in the in the presentation of the paper, in the transport committee. The representative of the commission was not able to uh, to answer uh, this uh, question, and I am very sorry, thanks. but I have to, to, go, to go because I have a meeting for fit to 55. So <laughs> I, I have I have to go now. So okay, thanks, Mr. Uh, for, Elkenbow, for joining us. Yes. anytime you may contact me and uh, 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 tell me your opinion. Uh, uh, it's uh, you. You may find my my uh, address on the site. So thank you very much. Thank you for
0: the invitation again. Bye. Thanks, Mary and Jeanne. Enjoy the rest of the day. So uh, let me turn uh, to uh, Beatrice uh, Jordi for a quick reaction, because uh, I think you asked the floor, uh, Beatrice, so go ahead.
4: Yeah. Uh, thanks a lot, Frederic. Well, it's a shame uh, uh, Mary-Jeanne uh, has left, but I promised to write him an email. So just, uh, just uh, some uh, uh, three points. Uh, innovation is crucial, but it will not be the main driver. The decarbonization that we have achieved, which uh, is uh, since the 90s, we have reduced 24% of, uh, of emissions and GDP has grown 60%, so it has been a very good combination. And it was not uh, from the sky. So it was uh, mainly uh, ETS directive and renewable directive. It was a clear regulatory push and, of course, uh, a good framework for innovation and I uh, just uh, that uh, of course is we should not be obsessed with prices and the main objective is decarbonisation. I think all around the table that we are all sure about this point point. and just to remind before pre-COVID times I mentioned before the power sector but the ETS sector reduced emissions 8.9
0: percent so it's working Okay, thanks, Beatrice. Let me turn now to uh, and return maybe to the main subject of today's discussion, which is about the ETS reform and what, if anything, needs to be changed uh, with uh, with the European Commission proposal. So, um, uh, looking at the reform, um, any reform of the ETS uh, uh, actually will uh, obviously, inevitably, uh, raise questions about uh, fairness, whether it's between EU countries or uh, among the industries which are covered uh, by the ETS. Uh, Poland has raised uh, issues about a potential shortage uh, of allowances, and overall, um, Basically, all these uh, different parties are fighting now for a smaller cake, or a cake which is getting smaller and smaller, uh, which is consistent, of course, with the EU's uh, climate goals. Um, so, uh, let me turn to uh, the researchers about this question about uh, fairness and balance in the overall proposal. Do you believe the Commission proposal is fair and, and balanced uh, between all these different interests, whether the different industries or countries? And if something needs to be changed, in your view, what would it be? Uh, Melin Elkabout? Uh, maybe we can start with you.
2: Uh, sure. Um I do think it's a difficult question to answer, um, sort of, yeah, uh, in one go, because the fairness question with regard to uh, the between-country solidarity is a very different one than um, sort of the citizens versus industry perspective. Um, I do understand. Um, yeah, what we've heard from some of the, the Polish speakers today that there is a, a shortage of uh, allowances in Poland, uh, but it's almost using um, the, you know, the type of system that we have in the non-ETS sectors, the effort sharing system, uh, and apply that logic uh, to the ETS because there is supposed to be a single cap. There are then some calculations um, yeah, to determine um, how many allowances are auctioned by each country and who gets the revenue from that. But the idea that a country, uh, a member state is short of allowances is not one that we're supposed to be having in the um, uh, in the ETS, that's more uh, for effort sharing. Um, I do think that um, the general point about solidarity between the member states and doing more with uh, the modernization fund transitional uh, free allocation uh, for the power sector as has been done in the past uh, and also just a basic transfer of auction revenues to um, relatively lower income member states is a, a completely fair one Uh, but it also seems like one that can only be answered at uh, the highest political level, um, possibly even uh, the European Council. But there are many levers uh, to be pulled already in the legislation, and um, I'm sure a solution can be found for that. With regard to industry versus citizens, um, yeah, I do think it's important that whenever there is Uh, an asset transfer uh, to industry, as is the case with free allocation, that there is a a return uh, on that investment uh, because it is really the taxpayers um, paying for that. So it should be um, sort of, it should result in strong investment into climate neutral compatible technology. And I think, if you do more with um, carbon contracts for differences, which are really linked to specific investment, that case is easier to be made than if you have uh, generous amounts uh, of free allocation to all incumbent uh,
0: industries. Thank you, Milan Elkebart. Let me turn now with the same question to Florian uh, Rothenberg. Uh, Generally speaking, your views about this question of balance and fairness between countries and the industries um, at the same time. What is your view on that?
5: I think this is a highly political question. Um, I am probably not the right person to answer that. What we see as analysts is that these instruments, um, like the Modernization Fund, Innovation Fund, they're always kind of um, the element that you use to um, make a deal basically when you discuss these packages. And I think that will be the role of these funds as well. Um, what needs to be clear is the um, the, the price of the carbon allowance it the, the money raised from it, it will be there, it won't be gone. And I think, um, as Milan said, it it's really important that this is um, coming to the right place. And I think it will be an important element for the political discussion to bridge an agreement on the ETS. Um, and I think in terms of fairness, I think um, the different member states, depending on their power and uh, depending on their say, and also the different political groups, um, yeah, will... Um, yeah basically uh, bring up their arguments why they should receive more or less and um, hopefully this can then bridge um, bridge an agreement and because i think the most important element here is policy needs to set the ambition of the system and this needs to happen and this should not be a bargaining element because we have to reach the 55 um, uh, percent target
0: Thanks, Florian. Uh, Let me turn now the question to uh, Beatrice uh, Geordi. Uh, Can you maybe explain uh, the reasoning behind the Commission proposal when it comes to addressing these issues of fairness, whether between countries or industries that will be uh, impacted by the ETS reform, Um, and uh, what uh, improvements or what room for improvement do you think um, uh, there could be still now that we're uh, reaching uh, the, the political discussions in the European Parliament and in, uh, in the Council.
4: Yeah, just uh, th- thank you, Frederick for the question and also to Milan and Florian for the comments. Uh, I have to say that I'm particularly proud of uh, all the social aspects and fairness of our proposal. I mean, we uh, kept uh, the 2% of the modernization funds, that is, is uh, uh, for for poorer or lower income member in states, we have a top up of 2.5% uh, uh, monetization fund on the new ETS. And by the way, uh, uh, Poland is the uh, biggest beneficiary of both 2% and 2.5%. The 10% solidarity of the revenues. Sorry, that I bombed uh, you with uh, with numbers, but the 10% solidarity of uh, of the revenues is there also. Is uh, kept. And the new element uh, is uh, apart from the top-up of the modernization fund to uh, to transform the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the energy, to support the energy transition, is the social fund. The social fund concept is, uh, adds a new dimension of solidarity. So it's not only between member states, but it's also inside member states. So it has a citizen, direct citizen perspective, because member states are number one, on that role but uh, we thought that uh, it will be good that from a climate decarbonization let's do not forget that the money from the revenues is comes from power sector or industries that they are unable to commit to this decarbonization and then pay that this money this payment goes to refurbish um, social housing or or offer uh, smart or cleaner mobility to citizens it has a kind of european um, European positive idea. Is it going to be enough? Is it going to be uh, a perfect? Uh, uh, I, I would love to have the answer. I'm sure there will be discussions but uh, I can say that uh, we have been working in, um, in having a creative approach and also a balanced approach. Uh, also the, this social fund that is uh, I'm, I'm more now with uh, 60 euros but it's a a minimum 72, I mean around 72 billions, that uh, we ask a member states to also complete uh, this uh, and co-finance these funds. So we are talking about mobilization of nearly 150 billion euros. So this is how is this going to be used, how this is going to be implemented. This is the key question. But in all, I think that uh, this uh, multi perspective of uh, the 10%, the modernization fund for the transition of the economy, and also the citizen perspective offers uh, a good picture of what uh, climate policies could also offer to citizens. It's not only the danger or it's not only the threat that it is, but it's also an opportunity for investment and to improve quality of life, air quality, and uh, smart mobility.
0: Thank you Beatrice.' Uh, Robert Yeska, uh, you uh, asked the floor so briefly because we're getting closer unfortunately now to the end of this event.
6: Okay, so maybe i would I would like to say something about this fairness because uh, I think it needs some explanation about this um, um, uh, the, let's say the the lack of uh, fairness in the climate policy in in general. so First of all, of course, I would agree with batteries. The, I observe, and I'm mean in in the negotiation of climate energy package packages uh, very long. So I think that this package that the European Commission proposed is most complex and most reasonable from every uh, works that we have been conducted yet. Uh, within the commission and i'm very glad that this level of uh, reflection are also in in uh, these documents however i think that what what said that there is a gap uh, with the allocation and uh, if you see the gap uh, up to 2030 which is calculated around the 660 uh, million but this is not the the only case it's about the structural fairness that is since 2005 or since 2008 so if you if you do the simple calculation how many allowances was delivered to the european countries both free allocation and allocation from auctioning with all the um, components with the the key distribution within the ets allocation on the auction, then you see that there are there are countries that are Mm, they're the over allocated with allowances and there are countries with deficit of uh, allowances so one of the biggest uh, deficit since 2008 is for germany and poland and poland is around more than 400 uh, million uh, allowances so if you see that before you could use cheap uh, uh, credits from from uh, um, cdm or ji Projects and there was also division on this uh, limit for this usage in, from 2005 and 2012. Then you see that uh, there are some uh, at the level of installation, there are some installations that have in pocket a lot of uh, allowances that could use up to now, even. So um, I think it's worth to focus also on this structural uh, deficit that and distribution of allowances from 2008 at least uh to see and um this uh, funds that are of course the social climate fund is great uh, proposal from the european side and i think it's a natural need for this funds so the modernization fund social climate fund because the more the price is increasing the more uh social and uh, distribution aspect uh, are coming into uh, into table so if you See the structural uh, differences between allocation. Then you see the the uh, the fairness that should be also implemented in the proposal that
0: we already have in place. Okay, thanks, Robert. Uh, before we uh, close, um, I will ask uh, each one of you to summarize what your main message is. Uh, but before we do that, uh, let me just pick pick up one quick question from the audience. There were tons of remarks and I'm really sorry, we don't have time to go uh, through all of them. Uh, But I picked up this uh, question from Coralie Laurencin from IHS Market. Uh, She's putting the question to Beatrice uh, Jordi. Uh, What do you think will drive industrial uh, decarbonisation? Will it be primarily uh, the ETS or a combination of other tools? Beatrice.
4: I think that uh, there's uh, never one um, golden instrument and the combination of instruments is uh, is the is the solution of course uh, what uh, ETS uh, will be uh, is part of the board or steering committees of uh, the industrial policies of uh, every company and every sector we know that the climate uh, uh, and the decarbonization strategy starts to be a corporate uh, part of the corporate strategy, which is uh, highly welcome. So and ETS clearly will, will help in this signal. Uh, what we have tried also on the package, and let me just come back to the free allocation, is uh, you have noticed that we have put a conditional one quarter of the free allocation, one quarter, which is not uh, a minor part, is the link that the industry uh, installs or implements. sorry, the uh, energy reduction, the energy audit uh, recommendations. So, uh there will be the answer is uh, ets will be crucial i mean uh, your answer it will be crucial for the business case and uh, but we will need other type of instruments uh, like uh, innovation and proper proper um, uh, industrial framework for uh, for uh, driven uh, drive this decarbonization
0: Thanks, Beatrice. Uh, I think we're reaching the end of this uh, conference now. But before we close, uh, let me ask each one of you to summarize in very briefly, in one or two sentences maximum, the main message uh, that you would like uh, our audience to take home with them. And let me start uh, with you, uh, Robert Jeske. Thank
6: you. Um, so maybe just... Overall perspective, I think that Patrice uh, point made the crucial point. ETS the main climate instrument of the European Union, and it will be carbon pricing will be main tool for worldwide reduction. So, but the effectiveness of ETS depends on other instruments of climate policy, and that this, that deploy in renewable energy, the such as auctions and feeding tariffs uh, that cause the drop of your uh, allowances and consequently drop the EU prices. But similar effects can be induced by uh, subsidiary technology that increase energy efficiency and reduce the demand for energy. But so, from other hand, the ETS system itself affects the effectiveness of, the, of these other instruments. For example, high prices of VUI improve the competitiveness of renewables but reduce the role of re- revenue subsidies. But in countries with the whole high carbon intensive power sectors, like Poland, for instance, the high euro prices will sharply increase the price of electricity. And that could slow down the fusion of, for instance, electron mobility uh, and increase energy poverty. So in this perspective, it's crucial for all the judgment that to see the effectiveness of the system that requires the integrated assessment, taking into account several potential synergies in the and uh, between these policies. So.
0: Thank you, Robert. Let me turn to uh, Florian now. If you can be even shorter, that would be great.
5: Yes, uh, the ETS proposal, um, in our opinion, is in line with the target set in the climate law, and the ETS will ensure that the target is reached. Um, I think what's crucial now is that in order to avoid spiking carbon prices, the framework needs to be set on reinvesting on revenues, as well as helping and uh, supporting industry and power sector in order to have visibility in the long term um, that investments are needed.
0: To uh, Florian, let me turn to Milan elkabout now. Thank you. Uh,
2: I would just say that the ETS as a whole represents assets that are worth per year. Uh, At the current carbon price 90 to almost 100 uh, billion euros a year and it's very important to use those assets wisely, both from an efficiency but also a fairness point of view.
0: Thank you and now to conclude Beatrice Jordi-Agiri.
4: Thanks, Frederic. So very short, uh, carbon prices work, Uh, there is a key element of our 2030 package and uh, currently discussions on Parliament and, uh, and Council on the coverage of the 75% of the economy and how this needs to be designed. Second, we need other regulatory measures to accompany carbon pricing. And third point, uh, we need to, uh, sorry, regulatory measures and proper, uh, proper investments. And the third point, we need to accompany this transition and enhance the opportunities uh, on the social transition.
0: Thank you, Beatrice. Uh, I think this wraps up today's event. A big thanks to uh, PGE for supporting it. Uh, thanks, uh, of course, as well to our, our panellists uh, for your time uh, and our viewers uh, for following us. If you missed the beginning of this event, you can watch it again on YouTube. And if you would like to know more about upcoming events at Your Active, please visit our website, events.youractive.com, for more. Until then... Uh, Take care, stay safe, and see you next time.